Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bible Prophecy for today. My name is Heather, and it's where I give you news and views from a West Texan's biblical point of view, one you're not going to find in your mainstream media. Thank you guys for joining me this Thursday morning. Uh, I am packing, getting ready to move, so uh, everything's in boxes, and um, you ever get to that point where you're moving, and um, you know, you got stuff laying around that doesn't really necessarily go anywhere, like in any particular box, (laughs) or you can't quite fit it into a box, that's where I'm at right now, I'm looking around at this stuff going... I should probably put some of this stuff in a box, but I just don't know what to do with it. So anyway, I got the major stuff packed, and uh, I guess that's all that matters. Anywho, uh, let's see what's in the news today. We got a lot of stuff, lots of stuff in the news. Um, so I wanted to jump on today. Uh, it's not going to be um, a very lengthy um, podcast today because um, I'm still trying to get packed and get everything ready. And, um, you know, I got to work today. So, and, you know, I guess got everything going on. Um, but hopefully, uh, come this weekend, um, I'll get everything moved Sunday afternoon after church. The movers will be there to move the big stuff. And um, I got Murphy uh, all over the desk this morning. She's all over the place. She's in front of my monitor. She's, you know, whacking around the uh, the mic here. So if you hear some background noise, just know it's Murphy. Anywho, <laughs> sorry about that. So now when I get moved, it'll be a little bit different because then I can have, you know, an own, my own office and I can shut the doors and that way Murphy you know, won't be prancing around, but I will kind of miss her sitting on the back of my chair when I do podcasts, which is where she finally ended up right now. So anyway, so we got trust God's timing. The prophetic words of our departure will be past tense, guys. This is by Jonathan Brentner, and you can find it at theharbingersdaily.com, and he posted this yesterday, and I'm going to um, read you guys this article because I think it's pretty important. Another article uh, that we have is um, this was posted last year, but I think it is important to talk about today, especially in these days. It's called Seducing the Already Lukewarm Church. This is Joel Olstein in the Deceptive Prosperity Preaching. Uh, it's by David uh, Firiago, and you can find our Firiago, I'm sorry, and you can find that at harbingersdaily.com. And um, it's got a lot of P plosives, so I will back away from the mic when I say those, so that way I'm not going to blow your eardrums out. Okay, so, and let's move over here. Let me just do a double take here really quick just to see. Of course, you know, Bill Gates predicts another pandemic, which could be man-made and worse than COVID-19. Of course they are. And you know how we know this? I'm telling you as Christians, this is how we know this. If you read the Word of God, and you read the book of Revelation, and you read Ezekiel, and all these other, you know, books, these prophetic books that God told us was going to happen, and Jesus told us as well, pestilences are coming, pestilences, food shortages, uh, Jesus told us these things would happen. And so, when you read about these evil people, Bill Gates and the like, saying that there's going to be more worse, blah, 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 than COVID-19, we're going to make more stuff in the lab. We've all, well, by the way, we've already made that stuff, but we're getting ready to unleash it onto you. Just know that they will. Know that that is true, and the Bible told us that would happen. And so, as we see the nearing of the great tribulation that Jesus told us would come upon this world, and as we see these things get closer and closer, and the pieces are really moving together now, and um, just know that if you are a Christian, you will be yanked out of here now. Are we going to go through persecution and tribute? Absolutely. We were promised that. Jesus didn't promise you rainbows and puppy tails, okay? He said they hated me. They're going to hate you, too. And as we near the closeness of the tribulation of Christ soon return to this earth, um, we see the hatred growing, the anti-Semitism and the hatred towards Christians growing. And um, <clears throat> the evil, the evil that is um, permeating almost every aspect of our lives. And I think back to the apostles and I think back to the, what they lived through, Nero. And you, you, know, you got to go back to these things and realize the time that they were living in as well. And, um, you know, they died for their faith. So if anybody ever tells you, you know, oh, that's just not true. Jesus never. I'm going to ask you all. Every single one of those apostles died horrific deaths. Every single one of them. And like, well, the apostle John didn't. He died on Patmos Island, blah, blah, blah. Well, he was boiled in oil first. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So you tell me not one, not one renounced their faith in Christ because they knew it to be true. And so that should tell you a lot. That should tell you a lot. Anyway, if 
anybody ever tells you, get you an apologetics Bible. The one that I recommend is of uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the HCSB, the old, the old HCSB, not the new CSB garbage they have out now, but the old HCSB. You have to go to eBay, um, Goodwills, stuff like that to find that Bible. But you can find that one, and it's a good apologetics Bible. That's one I, I really like. Um, Sorry, I got the coffee going this morning. But anyway, these two articles I definitely wanted to touch on because um, they're very important. And by the way, if you live in the UK, um, there's somebody else. So it's another wake-up call. A second person faces criminal record for silently praying in the UK. Adam Smith Connor, a British Army veteran, stood still and silent on Ophir Road, a public street, for a few minutes before being approached by, quote, community safety accredited officers. Unquote. According to an article at ADF.UK, the UK Office of Alliance Defending Freedom. Yes, folks. Did you did you catch the name accrediting officers? They have all these little names, right? Anyway, which is supporting uh, the physiotherapist. So Smith Connor um, had been praying outside a British Pregnancy Advisory Service or a BPAS clinic with his back. To the facility in order to be mindful of the privacy of staff and attendees of the abortion center, according to ADF. He recorded his conversation with the officers and shared footage with the ADF UK. After repeatedly being asked what the nature of his prayer was, Smith Connor told authorities he was praying for his son who died by abortion 22 years ago, a decision that still haunts him to this day. The officers warned him he was in an area under the, quote, public spaces protection order did you get that folks spaces are now under protect you can't pray in spaces now folks anyway which establishes a safe zone around abortion clinics and prohibits engaging in any act of approval disapproval including praying the abortion clinic in uh mouth is the fifth one in the country to have this type of censorship zone according to local news reports Mm. I'm sorry for your loss, the council officer told Smith Connor, but ultimately I have to go along with the guidelines of the public space protection order to say that we are in the belief that therefore you are in breach of Clause 4A, which says about prayer and also acts of disapproval. When Smith Connor interjected, I'm just standing praying, she again responded, I do understand that, but the PSPO is in place for a reason, and we have to follow through on those regulations, unquote. So Smith Connor, uh, clinical director at New Forest Physiotherapy in Southampton, cannot forget that time 22 years ago when he drove his ex-girlfriend to a facility and paid for her to have an abortion. Quote, it was a pivotal moment in my life, he said. The consequences of my action that day came back to grieve me years later when I realized I had lost my son Jacob to an abortion I had paid for. Recently, I stood outside a similar facility and prayed for other babies who have lost their lives to abortion, for their grieving families, and for abortion clinic staff. He would never have imagined that praying silently would put him at a risk for a criminal record. In, these, in the past, he says, I assisted with abortions in hospitals as part of my Army medical training, but now I pray for those who perform abortions because I realize how harmful abortion is to women and families and that every single human life is valuable, no matter how small he said, most of all, I moved to pray because of what happened to my son. ADF UK has engaged a legal team to challenge Smith Connors fine. Nobody should be criminalized for what they believe, especially not when they express that belief silently in the privacy of their own minds, said Jeremiah. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Legal counsel for ADF UK. Just like in the uh, case of the Isabel Von Spruce last month, Adam could now face prosecution for holding thoughts. In lifting those thoughts to God in prayer within a censorship zone. The rapid proliferation of orders criminalizing volunteers such as Adam and Isabel should be a wake-up call to those who value freedom of expression and even freedom of thought, no matter their views on abortion. This ought to be a wake-up call to you guys. I am going to tell you, this is happening in the UK. If you think it's coming to Canada, it's probably coming to Canada. And if you don't think it's going to come to the United States, you are wrong. <clears throat> they have indoctrinated our children. They are currently indoctrinating our children here. And they're indoctrinating the world. And there's only a few of us that stand apart and realize what's going on. And it's a wake-up call. It is a wake-up call. Stand in the gap. 
Tell people what's going on. Be a watchman on the wall. These things are coming, folks. They're coming for you. They're coming for me. If you can't even pray silently. And they're arresting people and fining them for praying silently in a censorship zone. I'm going to go back up to the beginning of this article. And I just want to bring up this. Uh, listen to this. Listen to what they call themselves. They're being approached by, quote, community safety accredited officers. They're coming up. They're watching for this. Is this not beyond belief? Did you ever think that for a prayer you held in your head to God in your heart that you'd be ready? Yeah. You're not even saying it out loud. <clears throat> but it's coming to a country near you, folks. Fascism is coming. They call us fascists. Ah, <laughs> they call us. You crazy Christians, y'all. You know, more people have died and blah, blah. You got to go back and think about, no, no, the Catholic Church has murdered more people. Okay, not, not Protestant Christians. Go back. Get your history straight. Or better yet, go to getalifemedia.com. Getalifemedia.com. Or you can download the getalifemedia.com app onto your phone. And you can watch the... Uh, Bible study from Pastor Billy Crone on Roman Catholicism. And I will be starting that hopefully next Wednesday. And so I'm still uh, studying that. And, and you can go, if you want to, you can go to my YouTube channel. Um, I do have it. Uh, last yesterday's podcast, I did put uh, the link there because they did very much. Of course, they did. Yeah, whatever. They did last time too. And they still, I had like 100 subscribers or something. Very small. Maybe a little, maybe 100. I don't remember. Anyway. Very small channel, and they still took me down. So, that's how much they hate the truth. That's how much they hate the truth. Anyway, here comes Murphy. She's back on the scene. Um, so, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, you can go there. And I've got I've got them um, there. It's on a, on a playlist. So, you guys can go to that. And you can, I've already got them all there on the playlist for you. If you go through um, uh, their YouTube channel there, it's really hard to find. You have to go through all of his like videos all the way down to find the section on Roman Catholicism because they're not labeled. It just says the all called in that. So anyway, I got them all together, put them on a playlist so you guys can go and watch it. But the easiest way to watch that is to get their app, get the Get Life Media app, and then you can um, you can have them all there together. So Murphy is back on the desk, and so I'm probably going to have to pause um, to get her off of the desk because she'll start hitting my mic. Um, but anyway, maybe not. She may be nice and just sit here. <laughs> so anyway what else so let's let's just jump into this really quick okay so i did want to talk about this this is seducing the already lukewarm church and i have might have talked about this back in um november when this article came out but mm, i want to touch on it again um today because it's very important so when one of the most popular christian leaders in america focuses more on self-improvement personal finances and positive thinking than on the essential doctrines of the faith such as repentance from sin uh -oh. I tell you what, sorry guys, I thought I had my phone turned off. Anyway, repentance from sin, sanctification, and the atoning work of Jesus Christ, there's a problem. The prosperity uh, gospel preached by men such as Joel Osteen has been described as biblically anemic theology and millions have fallen for it. It goes on to say, it's like uh, it's like a caffeine or a sugar high with the nutritional value uh, with the nutritional value of cotton candy. But make no mistake, it can be quite lucrative for those preaching it. A friend of mine visited his church and said there were no crosses and there was no mention of Jesus. He may be sincere, he may be naive, but he will be held accountable for by God for what he preaches. Lakewood Church in Houston uh, rakes in about $70 million a year. For his latest book, Joel Osteen received $13 million in advance. One book, he and his wife have a fortune estimated at $60 million at $60 million. His 17,000 square foot mansion is listed at $10.7 million and has six bathrooms, five fireplaces, three elevators, a swimming pool, guest house, and parking for 20 cars, including his $230,000 Ferrari. Thinking positive sure is better than negative, and money itself isn't bad. There are plenty of generous people who do great things for God with their finances, but the Bible warns about loving money. Pursuing happiness isn't wrong, but happiness can depend on your circumstances in life. Holiness, on the other hand, is a result of obedience, seeking the kingdom of God first, and walking with Jesus daily. 
People who practice Joel Osteen's formula for success and then get cancer or fail to get the expected results end up disillusioned or worse, they blame God. It might feel good short term, but many people get angry at God if things don't work out the way they want them to and they fall away from him. Rather than catering to self, the Bible teaches us to surrender our lives to Christ. The Gospel of Luke 9, verses 23 and 24, quotes Jesus' saying, this is in King James Version, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. The true Christian faith is honest right up front because the road to eternal life is narrow and hard. The Bible promises persecution trials and that people will hate you. I just said this. <laughs> so Jesus said, we will have trouble in this world. President of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, Dr. Albert Moeller, offered some insightful comments on a recent uh, article in the Financial Times in which the writer destroys Joel Osteen's brand of Christianity in, co in contrast prosperity theology with teachings in Scripture. The author is not even a believer. Check this out. Editor of the Financial Times, progressive writer um, Edward Luce, visited Lakewood Church in Houston and interviewed Osteen. Luce writes about what he sees as a contradiction between Joel Osteen's preaching and the historic um, Orthodox Christian faith. He calls Lakewood the most significant temple to the prosperity gospel in America. When Luce checked out a men's group there, he came away with buzzwords such as optimism, hope, destiny, harvest, bounty, and of course, prosperity the article points to the glaring absence of crucial theological terms quote words that are rarely heard include guilt shame sin penance and hell lakewood is not the kind of church that troubles your conscience unquote and uh it goes on to say it might work for some but why don't more people see the prosperity theology is not centered on God and his glory, but the glory of man on this life and is a psychological message aimed at making people feel better about themselves. It is true God loves us. He cared enough to send Jesus to a brutal, torturous death on the cross. With prosperity teachings, however, meaning and identity have shifted away from the self-revealing, self-existing God and towards the self-important, self-worshipping individual whom loves God or whom God loves. A key statement by Osteen reveals much about his focus. Quote, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a, a computer, your face would be the would be the screensaver, unquote. Dr. Moeller writes that the prosperity gospel shifts the emphasis of God's love away from praise and glory of the creator to the praise and glory of the creature. Erasing the wrath of a holy God, Osteen reverses the entire theological order of biblical Christianity. Colossians 1, chapter, uh, or chapter 1, verse 16 reminds us we're here for God. He doesn't exist for our pleasure. Colossians 1, 16, the King James says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. He go on to say, and he says, digging a little deeper on his visit to Houston, Edward Luce asked Joel Osteen how he managed to keep sin and redemption out of his preaching and how a message can parade as Christian when it avoids basic necessary doctrines. And Osteen said he didn't want to, quote, to turn people off, end quote, or lay more guilt on them and added, quote, it's not my aim to dwell on technicalities. I want to help people sleep at night. Really? Well, Joel Osteen, where are they sleeping at now? If they've died following your doctrine, they're probably in hell now. Anyway, goes on to say, can you imagine Jesus or any of the disciples saying this? Osteen's teaching is pop psychology that resembles the mantras of Oprah rather than the gospel of Jesus Christ. When an unbeliever, when an unbeliever writing for a secular publication can see this, but Christians don't get it, our biblical illiteracy is showing. Osteen has also been quoted as saying, quote, if you do your part, God will do his. He will promote you. He will give you the increase, unquote. For those who don't know what the Bible teaches, how could they hear this and not think Christianity is a religion that's all about us and what we can get? God already did his part by raising Jesus from the dead and sending the Holy Spirit to help believers. Nowhere does scripture suggest if we just do our part, God will respond. 
Osteen's, quote, gospel, unquote, of your best life now, happiness, health and wealth and blessings lacks depth and substance. What does it offer those with terminal disease, the homeless, U.S. veterans with missing limbs and PTSD, parents with kids in children's hospitals, confused teenagers, broken families, the depressed or hopeless, including those who are suicidal? And might I add, those who are in transgender confusion, in lesbianism and homosexuality, they, you know, what that has to offer them? I just threw that in there. But anyway, article continues. Dr. Muller says, Osteen's, uh, Osteen proclaims not the gospel, gospel but a false hope and he concludes quote in the essential problem of the prosperity gospel is not that it offers too much but that it offers too little the gospel of jesus christ brings salvation forgiveness of sin and life everlasting osteen tragically exchanges the hope of a gospel centered on christ and his accomplished work for a wishy-washy self-centered self-exalting message of psychotherapy he turns the eyes of his audience away from the glory of the eternal god to a god who is a cosmic butler Joel Osteen's message appears uh, appeals to a materialistic spoiled culture, doesn't it? It seduces the already lukewarm church in the United States of Laodicea. And what does your security rest? A house, savings, investment, retirement plan? These will all pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. One problem with riches is that they encourage a spirit of false independence, very much like the church of Laodicea which Jesus rebuked. He said they were lukewarm in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 states in the King James Version, because you because thou sayest, I'm in rich, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Goes on to say, how much does this sound like American Christianity in your best life now theology? The poison of the prosperity gospel is just one of many false teachings leading us to expect or even demand God to bless us and in the way we desire. Who would want their faith to be a magic wand of source to create what we imagine and visualize? That's the kind of thing we want to hear, but it's not based on truth and it's not what we need to hear. Second Timothy chapter four, verses three and five warns professing believers in the church. And it says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap up to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But what thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, make full proof of thy ministry. It says, but watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of evangelists, and make full proof of thy ministry. Because I recently preached, he says he recently preached a message from Matthew chapter 19 about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus seeking eternal life only to walk away in grief and sorrow because he could not let go of his possessions. Money was his idol and Jesus said it is extremely difficult for the rich to be saved. Not impossible, but difficult. He goes on to say, are riches an obstacle to the kingdom of heaven? For some, yes. In America today, who among us would not be considered rich compared to the world? Why is wealth such a problem when it comes to eternal things? Because it tends to make us satisfied with this life instead of longing for the age to come. Randy Alcorn says, he who lays up treasures on earth spends his life backing away from his treasures. To him, death is lost. He who lays up treasures in heaven looks forward to eternity. He's moving daily toward his treasures. To him, death is gain. Goes on to say, context, theology, and expository teaching aren't the only things prosperity preachers tend to avoid. They typically stay away from uh, so-called social and political issues like abortion and homosexuality, and they rarely touch on cults and world religions. He goes, he wrote about them. Uh, he says he wrote about this in a chapter called Counterfeit Christianity in his book, Eradicate from 2012. That would be a good book, guys, if you want to go pick that up. Anyway, uh, back when Mitt Romney was running for president, Joel Osteen was interviewed several times and asked why he doesn't get involved in politics or talk much about uh, the most pressing controversial cultural issues. Ready for his answer? Osteen said he didn't feel comfortable and that I don't feel like that's my main gifting. So only people with a special gift can address hot topics? Osteen stated this, and I quote, When you focus on being a blessing, God makes sure that you are always blessed in abundance. Unquote. Blah, 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 blah. Just dripping with honey. Mm. Anyway, end of quote, or he goes on to say, In a Washington Times interview, he responded by saying, He didn't like to, to take sides and prefers to stay in my own lane. 
he says. Uh, then came questions about Mitt Romney being an LDS or a Mormon, and Osteen said he believes Mormons are Christians, but added that he didn't know if it's the purest form of Christianity like I grew up with, unquote. In an earlier interview, Chris Wallace of then Fox News asked Pastor Joel, quote, is a Mormon a true Christian, unquote? And here's the conversation, quote, Osteen. Well, in my mind, they are. Mitt Romney has said that he believes in Christ as his Savior, and that's what I believe. So, you know, I'm not the one to judge the little details of it. So, I believe they are. And so, you know, Mitt Romney seems like a, a man of character and integrity to, me, integrity to me, end quote. Wallace says, quote, So, for instance, when people start talking about Joseph Smith, the founder of the church, and the golden tablets in upstate New York, and God assumes the shape of a man, do you not get hung up on those theological issues, end quote? You know, Osteen says, quote, I probably don't get hung up in them because I haven't really studied them or thought about them. And, you know, I just try to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. Unquote. Article goes on to say, so let's review. Pastor Joel Osteen feels it is not his calling to get deeply into the Bible or to talk about sin. He also prefers not to think too much about other religions, but he believes Mormons are Christians. Okay, got it. So, in his New York Times best-selling book, Your Best Life Now, Joel Osteen stated, and I quote, The first step to living at your full potential is to enlarge your vision. Seeing yourself rising to new levels, see your dreams coming to pass, you must conceive it and believe it is possible if you ever hope to experience it. He goes on to say, you will produce what you're continually seeing in your mind. If you develop an image of victory, success, health, abundance, joy, peace, and happiness, nothing on earth will be able to hold those things from you. God wants to increase you financially by giving you promotions, fresh ideas, and creativity. Those are from pages four and five of his book, Your Best Life Now. Unquote. Now I can drink some coffee to wash that out of my mouth, folks. That was terrible. Ugh. Mm-mm-mm. Blech. Anyway, sounds like New Ageism if you ask me. Anyway, article goes on to say, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's Ephesians 6.12. And Joel Osteen is not the enemy. He will be judged, and for that I certainly do not envy him. This could be so much more extensive, and we could name dozens of men and women preachers, list more quotes and strengthen our case. Of course, Copeland, Dollar, Duplantis, Hand, Meyer, all those... Oh, I get rap scallions. I like to call them heretics. Mm-mm-mm. Anyway, with great wealth comes great responsibility. And Jesus viewed wealth as a gift from God. Luke writes in chapter 16, verse 13, King James Version, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Article goes on to say, only God knows the hearts of those who preach watered-down doctrines such as word of faith and the prosperity gospel. But those who are teachers will be held to a much higher standard. James chapter uh, 3 verse 1 says, by the Lord who exalts his precious word to embrace and follow Christ, we must hold the things of this life loosely and set our hearts on the kingdom, on the things above. I'm sorry, that's uh, Colossians 3 verse 1 through 3. First John 2 15 verses I'm sorry, 1 John 2, uh, verses 15 through 17, the King James Version says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The gospel that Joel Osteen and many others preach barely resembles the hard teaching of Jesus Christ and the true gospel. Pray for discernment for those who have fallen for this deception and pray for God's mercy for those who are peddling it. And David also ends and says, and let's examine our own hearts because in the end, these charlatans have to answer to the God they claim to represent. And so will we. Once again, guys, that article is by David Furialzo. It was back in November of last year. That would be 2022. And you can find it at harbingersdaily.com. Uh, David Furialzo has some fantastic books out there, by the way, if you want to go check those out. But, you know, as I was reading that there, you know, the world passes away and the lust thereof. And, uh, you know, God is, is warning us, you know, um, don't love the things of the world. You know, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And when you get into studying the Word of God, 
and you read in Revelation and you read in uh, Ezekiel and all these uh, books, you know, Daniel and James and Jude and all these things, when you read these books and you, you, you know, you study them, you don't just read them really quick. Like how fast can I read through the Bible? It's no, it's how you study. You've got to meditate on the word of God. You have to hide it in your heart is what Jesus says and what the, in what the Bible says. But, you know, when I think about this, the people don't understand the beast system. Yeah, you know, they read about the beast and, you know, the Antichrist and, you know, the false prophet. But what is the beast? What is the, is the system? It's the world system. That is the beast system. And you see how everything is moving into that. So Satan is the god of this world, little g. He's the god of this world. And because uh, if you remember when he took Jesus up there, remember, and Jesus was fasting and he said, I'll give you all these kingdoms if you will just bow down to me and worship me. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. You know, he didn't say, uh-uh-uh, buddy. No. So, you know, and, and Jesus said that, you know, Satan has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe. Well, he has the power to blind the eyes of those so they cannot see the truth. We have to pray for those people. We have to pray. We are not fighting against Joe Biden. We're not fighting against Bill Clinton. We're not fighting against the people. We are fighting against the principalities, the demonic forms in heavenly places, all these things that are coming upon these people. And these people, I can almost guarantee you, are possessed. I can tell you right now that um, Hillary Clinton is probably possessed. These people are wicked, wicked, wicked people. And um, if they don't repent from their sin, they will go to hell. And so, but we don't fight against them. They are, they are being controlled by demonic forces because they have allowed themselves to be controlled by demonic forces. And so when there's people out there fighting and all this stuff, it's not the person. You know, we have to be able to understand that. And the only way to understand that is to read the Bible and let God's word tell you. We don't tell, we don't, we don't look into the word of God and figure it out for, no, we let the word of God tell us. There's, that's the exegesis, eisegesis, that kind of thing. But anyway, um, Spencer Smith's third Adam is fantastic. You guys need to go watch that. Um, but as far as, you know, these, these, the homosexuals, the transgenders, you got thieves out there, you got people out there rioting, you have the spirit of lawlessness, you have all of this going on. But what we got to remember is we have to pray for these people. God loves them. But does that mean he's, they're his children? No. But does he love them? Yes. Remember, the Bible says, in such were some of you, us, that's me, that's you, that's all of us, who we, remember, we weren't born believers in Christ. We weren't, remember, when we were born, we were born into sin. So we have all done wicked, evil things. But thank God, he loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us. And Jesus died for us on the cross, a torturous death. And God raised him from the dead three days later. That's our hope, you guys, because that same power that raised Christ is going to raise us too. But you got to remember, we weren't perfect. Neither will we ever be perfect until we are joined with Christ in heaven. But these people out here, they're no different than we were. But they're no different than we were before we were saved and born again. So that's what you got to remember. We got to pray for these people. We have got to pray for these people i don't want anybody to go to hell i know you don't want anybody to go to hell i mean i want hitler to go to hell but i mean i'm sorry <laughs> there are some people i do wish to go to hell but i mean you know that's because of the anyway but god is infinite remember um like i was thinking we have some stuff going on uh you know and and, and some you know some things going on and so I'm like you know things have happened i'm like i'm never ever gonna talk to those people again i will never forgive them you know for what they've done i'm never i wouldn't say forgive but you know i'll hold them accountable I was like you know and i was thinking about that this morning and i was like you know what i can't be like that the bible says how many times are you gonna forgive somebody 70 times seven which means a lot <laughs> which means an infinite time you've got to forgive them um but just because you forgive them does not mean you have to let them continue to trample over you you know there's you know, sometimes you just got to back away from some situations but um, I look at people and, you know, a couple of them that I work with, uh, they're not, not for our company, they're for the other company, but they let people upset them so much. You know, they let them just, you know, those little things these people say, and they get so upset and enraged over, and they just keep contemplating on it and talking about it, talking about it. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go beat them down. Or I'm gonna like whatever. And they get so angry and so angry about it, you know? And like I told them, I said, why do you let these people ru run your life? 
What? I'm like, you're letting them run your life. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Do you, do you think these people are, are that upset? Do you think they could care less what they said to you? Do, you? do you see them getting this angry and upset and their blood pressure rising up and it's detrimental to your health? And you, do, you, do you think that bothers them that much? When you let people take over your emotions, you're letting them get inside your head. You're letting them run your life. You know? Oh, you know, you got to think about these. And trust me, I tell you, I had a temper. I'm a redhead and I had a temper when I was younger. I'm not saying that's never happened. I'm saying that because from experience, that's how I can say that from experience. I used to let that happen. I'm like, oh man, you know, but from experience and wisdom in the Bible, I've learned you got to lay that at the the feet of the cross. You got to give that to Jesus. You got to, and every time that thought comes, you got to rebuke that thought and hand it back over to Christ, you know? Um, otherwise, if you don't, dude, you can't do that. You can't, you cannot let other people run your life. You can't let other people. Somebody told me that one day and I'm like, wow, you're absolutely right. But you got to be in the situation to, to get correction and to learn from correction, you know, cause Jesus, I'll tell you what, you will be in the same trial. Okay. You'll be in that same trial until you learn until you learn what God wants you to learn. Because I'll tell you, I've learned this in my lifetime. I have faced so many of the same trials in my life. And finally, yes, because the Lord will chasten you. Whom he loves, he chastens. Whom he considers his child, he will chasten. And so if you're being chastened by the Lord, the best thing to do is to realize that, to repent of it, and to ask Christ to help you learn. What do I need to learn from this? How, do I, how am I supposed to get through this trial? Because I'll tell you, if you don't, you will face that trial over and over and over again throughout your life until you learn. Okay, so God, he loves us while he chastens us. If he didn't love us, he would just let us go whatever and do whatever. But he loves us. So he wants us. We're supposed to be sanctified, set apart. We're supposed to be becoming more like Christ every day. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be, you know, working within us. And we're supposed to be learning and growing. When you accept Christ, you're not just supposed to sit on a pew bench and say, oh, okay, and then go home and not do anything with that. That would be like what you've been given this gift, this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. And once you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which comes once you accept Christ in salvation, once you, once you ask Christ, please forgive me, please be my Savior, boom. When you confess Him as Lord and Savior, you are automatically indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Don't tell you that somebody's got to lay hands on you. Don't say you got to speak in tongues before, you know, you get the Holy Spirit. That's blasphemous. That's wrong. That is heretical teaching. That's absolutely wrong. You can read your Bible for yourself and know that that is wrong. So like I always say, if you don't know the word of God, you're going to be led astray. Always, always. If you don't know the word of God, you're going to listen to these um, charismatic, crazy people. Now, I'm not saying all charismatic um, churches are like that. I'm not saying that. There's some hyper charismatics. They're absolutely crazy. If you don't have, if you don't speak in tongues, well, then you're not saved. And you don't have that. You know, that's, that's. That's blasphemy. That's heretical teaching. That's wrong. Now, am I saying all charismatic? No, I'm not saying that at all. Um, you know, Pastor um, um, Ricky File, it used to be Kingdom Keys, and his son took over, which, you know. Uh, but anyway, when Pastor, I, I, you know, I went to that church for a while. I was a Baptist my whole life. You know, I went to Baptist church, and, you know, you know, we don't, you know, hello. You know, we do our little hymns, and like, you know, whatever. But I'll tell you where I learned to pray. I, turn, I learned to pray from Pastor Ricky File. And he's got a um, radio program in Emerald, Texas, and in, in surrounding areas, too. It's Kingdom Keys um, Radio Network. But I learned to pray. I learned to pray the Word of God. I was not taught that in my Baptist church. I wasn't taught that. I wasn't taught to, to pray the Word of God. And um, I learned that there, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm back in the Baptist church now, but I mean, you know, it's more like an independent Baptist, fundamental Baptist, not independent, it was a fundamental um, Baptist church. There's a difference. Um, but... I learned to pray the word of God and uh, the pastor that I'm under right now, pastor um, Randy, um, he, he knows how to pray the word of God. And so Randy Davis. And so if you don't know the word of God, you cannot pray the word of God and the power is in the word of God. And so um, like sick, like, like you guys, my, my friend Kimmy, you've all been praying for him, telling you, praise God. It is an absolute miracle. She's doing so much better. She's out of ICU. She's in a regular room. Thank God. You know, prayer, God still hears our prayers. Don't let anybody tell you that he doesn't. Don't let anybody tell you that he does. But, you know, if you go to the Joel Osteen churches, 
you know, they're going to tell you, oh, it's all about, it's all about you. It's not about health, wealth, prosperity. It's all about you. You know, look, they're taking the focus from an almighty, holy God, and they're putting it on you. They're putting it on you. And that, that to me is the worst thing you can do. That's the worst thing you can do. We serve. We are here to serve God. It's not the other way around. God's not up there to serve us. No, we are his creation. No, we are here to serve God. And they turned it around. It's like he's a genie in the sky or something. It's, it's blasphemous. And I get angry at Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland and all the Creflo Dollars and Joe, Joyce Meyer and, and oh my Lord, all these crazy people. And you got Beth Moore out there showing her true colors. People are always like, oh, women just, you know, they just flocked. I never liked Beth Moore. And I went to a Baptist church. I never liked her. I would, you know, if I was in a ladies Bible study, which I just never really got it. Because there's ladies Bible studies are so empty. It's all about feelings or whatever. I'm not about that. I'm about the Bible. I'm about doctrine. I'm about what does the Bible say. And so when you find a ladies group uh, that teaches what the Bible says, and it's not about all this, you know, fluffy crap, you know, excuse my Texas French here, but um, you want, you want the meat, you know, and it's kind of hard to find. And so if I was in like, you know, some of them were good. We had like good books and we had some pretty good studies and they bring up Beth Moore and I would leave. I would leave. They had one book. I can't remember the name of it. And uh, I was like, okay. So I went and bought the book and I read like two pages. And I'm like, this woman's crazy. <laughs> and then if you listen to her, she's even more crazy. Like she's comedy. She's funny. She's, you know, whatever. But to me, that's, that's, you know, uh-uh. that's not what I want. If you listen to her long enough, you're going to know she's not, she don't know what she's doing. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's not teaching the word of God. She's not. But if you don't know the word of God, you're not going to know what these people are saying. And I'm very thankful. I can't say it enough. I can't emphasize it enough. I'm so thankful to my mamaw, Ollie Bell Brinkley, way back in the day, um, who taught me when I was like four years old, that if you can't find it in the word of God, you do not believe them. She goes, I don't care what anybody tells you. And I'm so thankful for that. And my mama, too, you know, very thankful for that. And my Aunt Eloise, you know, very uh, influential when I was a child growing up. And I, you know, started reading the Bible at young. You know, my brother, um, he's a teacher in California, and um, I absolutely love my brother. He taught me how to read before I even started school. And so, I mean, if, if you guys are, if you have your kids in his class, trust me, they're, they're being taught. And uh, he teaches science, but... um um, not evolution. He don't teach that crap, but you know, but yeah. And so I was so thankful to my mamaw for that. And, um, you know, that's one thing. If you, if you guys don't teach your kids, somebody else will. And, um, if you don't, if you don't put that in, in young children's minds that the Bible is truth, it is the only truth and that's it. You know, they're, they're, they'll be led astray by all this other stuff in the world. So you got transgender. Little Timmy, are you are you Tommy? Uh, Jane, are you Jim? Like all this garbage. All of this garbage. And, and and if you're a believer in Christ, you you can see through. You can see through the evil. You can see what's going on. They're coming for our children. And if you see they're killing off the elderly people. Look at look what's going on. Oh, and if you're poor, don't worry. We can put you out of your misery because you're such a burden. You know, you're such a burden. Here, take this pill. And, um, you know, there. Yeah. Thank you for your service, I guess. Folks, um, you know, you can tell when a Romans 1 culture comes into. John MacArthur has got some fantastic sermons on Romans 1. If you want to hear about some of those, I'll, I'm going to start linking those onto my YouTube page. So I'm going to do some you know, more playlists on stuff like that. I think it's called playlists. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm going to start putting all those together so that you guys can go and watch those. Um, that way, uh, you know, you'll have um, you have a place to go. To, like, get all centered in one place, you know. And I, I mean, people can go and look for whatever. But, you know, my thing is I want to bring people uh, to I want to bring people knowledge. I want to bring people, you know, wisdom. Like, here, this is what you need. And it's like right here. You know, so you don't have to go and hunt for it. Because, if you know, there's so many heretical teachers out there. Like I said, if you went for um, Joel Osteen. You'd be like, oh, well, it's your best life now. No, honey, your best life now is still to come. Our best life as Christians is yet to come. 
So um, don't let don't let this world don't let this world suck you in. It's the it's a system. It is the beast system, and then you're gonna have the harlot riding the beast system. You're like, what is it? So the beast system is world governments. All this stuff is coming world world religion, and so you're gonna have to have um, a false prophet, which I'm telling you is a Catholic church. It is the Pope. I'm telling you, they call themselves the Universal Church. And if you're a Protestant, you know, we broke away for a reason. There's a reason we left. And um, get into Pastor Billy Crone's um, uh, study on, Bible study on the Roman Catholicism, and you're going to learn all about it. We will start that. I'm going to shoot for next Wednesday. I'm going to start doing that. I, but, you know, I've, I'm moving. i got so much stuff to do, you guys. And maybe the Wednesday after that. Um, because I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to just blow through it. You know, he's got great notes. Um, he's, I mean, if you want to go ahead and watch, watch that, start watching that. Like I said, I've got it on the YouTube channel right now in the playlist. And I, um, better yet, the best way to do it is to download the app onto your phone, the Get a Life Media um, app. And um, I can tell you, I'll just pull my phone up right now here. Let's see. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. So if you're, I'm going to pull up the little Get a Life Media. And does uh, Billy Crone, Good Life Media. And uh, when the app opens, it's going to have him up here, Billy Crone. It'll have current series, of course, apologetics. And of course, you know, he's got all this stuff. So there's going to be um, the three little lines up in your left-hand corner. You're going to tap on that. And it's going to have video. It's got apologetics, Bible classes, Bible prophecy, Christian living, documentary, or docu, yeah, docu, all the way down, right? And then you can go down to audio as well. But if you want to watch the video, which I highly recommend because he's he's got all the good stuff on there. <laughs> anyway, you'll scroll down, you'll hit Bible classes, second from the top. It's apologetics. You'll click Bible classes, and it drops down. You got drop down many there of discipleship, 101, 102, defenders of faith. Go scroll on down. Um, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, New Age, and then bam, Roman Catholicism. You'll click on Roman Catholicism. And then it's going to pull up every one of his classes. And they're so much easier um to pull up there and you just click on the one and then boom it automatically starts playing it's fantastic absolutely fantastic that's the best way um to get these um bible classes but I, i'm telling you guys it is very 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 important okay um to know what's going on in the world especially with roman catholicism with everything coming around everything is going to come around um and if you believe like i believe that that is the false prophet that is the one world religion um, all of these things are coming together. You're going to want to know a little bit about that, right? You're going to want to have a history lesson and uh, a Bible lesson. And so what we'll do is I will try to start that next Wednesday because I know it is very important. And so I'm probably going to combine. He's got a, quite a few lessons. So I'll try to combine two lessons, take the highlights out of each one and um, strictly the notes. I wish he still had the workbook, but you can't download the workbook anymore. Darn it. I may email them and see if they can't um, send me a link or a PDF or something. But anyway, um, I wanted to jump on and get to another article, but it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to do that today because um, it's a pretty lengthy article. Well, maybe not. Let's do it. I got a little bit of time. Let's do it. Okay, so this article is harbingersdaily.com. It was posted the 25th of January by Jonathan Brittner, and it's Trust God's Timing. Soon the prophetic words of our departure will be passed and isn't that the truth folks so let's check it out guys okay so this is jonathan brentner i love the words of scripture they form the basis of my hope for eternal life provide uh needed assurance in times of trouble and calm my soul during the turbulent times in which we live now he says Sometimes a passage or a phrase speaks to me in a new way, such was with the case with Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. This is a King James Version, and it says, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of, Oz, of Israel, and God had respect unto them. I'm going to move this over a little bit. And so it says, I love the phrase at the end of verse 25 in the ESV, and God knew. In the Hebrew text, the word is yada, which is in its basic form simply means to know. It appears to nine, it appears 947 times in the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 2, yada reveals God's awareness of the plight of the Egyptians. 
of the Israelites in Egyptian bondage uh, just before he, I'm sorry, just before he tasked Moses with the job of delivering his people. Yada appears again in Exodus um, chapter 3 verse 7 and it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and I have heard their cry by reasons of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. God saw the distress of his people and acted to deliver them. After 40 years tending sheep in the wilderness, Moses was fully prepared to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. The long-suffering slaves were ready to accept freedom and follow the leader God would send to them. The Lord knew the time was right. He doesn't explain why this time was better than 20 years earlier. He doesn't need to fill in all the blanks for us. We trust his sovereignty and wisdom. God hears our groaning. Members of the body of Christ suffer from afflictions of a wide variety. Some face martyrdom for their faith. Others lose their freedoms and many endure severe opposition to their faith. We all fight off the relentless attacks of our enemy. I know several saints who are hurting because of cancer, other ailments and grief, he says. The afflictions of this life, along with aging, have a way of catching up to all of us. And like the ancient Israelites, we groan. I love how the Apostle Paul connects our anticipation of the rapture with our sighing amid the many hardships of life, he says. Romans chapter 8, verses 23 to 25 in the King James Version reads, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he hope for it? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it, unquote. So the Lord hears the cry of our hearts as we long for him to appear and take us to glory. And someday soon our faith will be sight. The Lord is not distant as some imagine him to be. He sees, he hears, he feels all our grief, and he will surely deliver us. Someday soon, the prophetic words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 17 will be past tense, and we will rejoice with our Savior. And that is my favorite verse in all the Bible, and we will read that right now. For this we say unto you, but the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, which, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord oh praise the Lord oh praise the Lord so anyway there are days when it seems as though the perfect time for the rapture has a long since passed we see the tears of loved ones and watch as violence wickedness deception and lawlessness explode in our world we often wonder how much longer Lord in the meantime, we rest in the fact that God sees everything with eyes full of love for each and every one of us. Is it, is it not encouraging to know that the Lord knows all about our distressing circumstances and has our rescue in sight? The one who has called us to glory, 1 Peter 5.10, is ever so close to taking us there, Colossians 3.4. A glorious restoration for Israel. The 40 years that Moses tended sheep in the wilderness must have felt like an eternity for Israelites in Egypt. It's, most, it's likely most uh, knew about God's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and looked for a deliverer to take them to the land promised to their forefathers during the last half of the seven-year tribulation a much more frightening scenario will exist for the hebrew people once the antichrist defiles their temple they will face the darkest time in their history in the end only one-third of them will remain alive the prophet Zechariah, speaking for God, wrote these words about the future time of peril. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 19. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, The Lord is my God. Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 8 describes the arrival of Israel's future deliverer, the Lord Jesus. He will fight for Israel as a mighty warrior, destroy all the armies that will have come against Jerusalem and establish his worldwide kingdom over which will over which he will rule from Jerusalem. Is it not fitting that Moses referred to Jesus as a prophet like me? In Deuteronomy chapter 18, 15 through 18, the greater Moses will deliver the Israelites at his second coming. It will be a glorious time of restoration for the kingdom of Israel. God will forever protect the Jewish people with his presence in Jerusalem. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. 
We trust God's timing. We often groan because of personal gain of that of those close to us. At other times, it's because of a world descending into lawlessness and wickedness, and the likes of which once we once thought was impossible. In the midst of this distress, we feel the words, and God knew, bringing welcome relief. We know our Deliverer is surely coming to catch us up to meet him in the air. As we wait, we remain confident that, he says, number one, God is aware of the plight of all those who belong to him. He sees, he hears, and he loves us more than we can imagine. Number two, Jesus remains ever mindful of the promises we hold dear to our hearts. He's preparing a place for us in heaven. John chapter 14, verses two through three. That's my favorite. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prayer place for you. If I go to prayer place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am there, you may be also, and you know the way. Ah, love that. Anyway, number three. The Lord will surely come for us before the judgment of the day of the Lord. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And number four, although God's timing often mystifies us, we trust his purposes knowing Jesus will arrive at the perfect time. And number five, the words and God news seem so simple, yet they breathe hope into the most distressing of circumstances. Our deliverer stands ready to rescue us and will surely do so. In the meantime, we pray for him to come soon. Guys, that, are, that article was from Jonathan Brittner, and you can find it at harbingersdaily.com. And he posted that yesterday on January the 25th. Folks, the time is ever so close that the Lord is coming. He's coming to take us all home. But if you're not a believer in Christ, you will not go with us in the rapture. You will be left behind. And folks, I'm going to tell you how horrific um, that's going to be. That's going to be, um, it, it's going to be a nightmare. Worse than a nightmare. It's worse than any, it's going to be the worst time that has ever come upon the world, the Bible says. If you want to, you can go to Amazon, you can grab my book, After the Rapture, What Comes Next? After the Rapture, What Comes Next? By Heather O'Daniel. Um, if you guys want to, that'd be great. I think it's uh, $3.99. It's as cheap as I can let it go. <laughs> anyway, I'm not here to make money off of this stuff. I'm just here to get the word out. So, you know, but anyway, guys, go check that out if you want to. Um, it's step by step through the Bible. What's going to happen? What's going to come upon the world? And what's, I mean, it's terrifying. It's beyond terrifying. So um, if you have not, if you're on the fence or if you're looking around this world and you're totally lost and you're thinking, is what, what is happening? What is going on? Well, I'm here to tell you. Um, Bible prophecy is true. Eschatology is true. God told us what would happen. And you see everything coming into place that should give you hope. And it should um, you know, let you know that our God is the only God. Jehovah God. He is the only God. There is no other God <laughs> but him. And so he told us from long ago, from thousands of years ago, what would happen today. And it's happening. When you think back in those days... Like 2,000 years ago, John writing all this stuff down. Like, could you imagine the things that he saw? Like, like, if we were to take ourselves and put ourselves back into that culture and then try to look forward into what we live in now, could you imagine? Me as a child, just now in like the 70s, you know, I could look at the 70s to where I am right now thinking, I would have never thought all this stuff could even be imaginable. I never would have imagined the things that we have today. So just imagine John and all, and then the prophets, even further than that, like thousands and thousands, you're going the Old Testament. How are they, like Daniel, like, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, tell us what was going to come, you know, in the words that they, you know, whoa. But anyway, just to let you know, the word is, the word of God is true. It's the only truth, people. And, um. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, um, the sheep, his sheep hear his voice. You know, so anyway, if you're on the fence, I'm telling you, today is the day of salvation. You may not have your next breath, especially the people dropping dead from this vax and vaccine and all this stuff. People are literally dropping dead, and they're trying to cover that up. They can't cover that up. There's no way. There's no way. Now, young adult driving dead. They're coming up with all kinds of stuff to try to cover that. They can't. They cannot cover it up. And if you do your research, my goodness, do not. Do not get that vax, jabbed, whatever, booster. Lord have mercy. Folks, this is evil wickedness. They're just killing off people. 
killing off people. And um, um, I'm, it's just, mm, it just makes me sick. Just absolutely angers me. I try not to even talk about that because I get so angry about that. Um, and you should too. You should do. People should be absolutely outright angry. Righteous anger. They're murdering people. But, you know. But anyway, um, if you have not, if you have not come to the saving grace of Christ, I pray that today is the day that you heed the Holy Spirit. Because he's, he's, he's wooing you. He is wooing you. Uh, you don't want to be left behind. And that could happen at any moment. At any moment, you'll be plunged into darkness because this world will become extremely wicked because you got to think about it, all the christians are going to be yanked out of here and who's going to be left wicked people very wicked people um but anyway um if you if you don't know how um to ask christ into your life there's no specific prayer that you have to pray you need to pray this little prayer there's no specific prayer that you have to pray it's heart it's a relationship with christ you have to realize that you are a dreadful wretched sinner like we all are and you have to drop your pride and realize that, oh my gosh, I have done some wicked things. I have sinned against a holy, righteous God. And, oh, woe is me. It's like, you know, they said, oh, and he touched the, you know, it's, oh, Ezekiel's, oh, woe is me. How can, you know, you have to realize that. We've all, we're all wretched sinners. We have no hope. No hope. This world can't give you hope. Nobody can give you hope. Nobody. The only person that gives you hope is Jesus Christ. And so you have to believe that Jesus died on a cross. He hung on a cross to take your sin and the world's sin and my sin upon himself who knew no sin. He died for us. There has to be atonement. There has to be a sacrifice. And Jesus loved us so much. He sacrificed for us. God loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son because he knew. He knew there's no other way. And so you have to believe that Jesus Christ died and that God rose him from the dead three days later. You have to believe that. That is our hope, you guys. That same power that raised Christ is going to raise us too. So you have to believe that. You have to confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. There's no specific prayer. I always say you be sitting on your couch eating Cheetos. You can be doing whatever. You can be driving down the roads. You can be sitting out fishing. It doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care. I don't care what you can be sitting in a prison cell. I don't really care. It doesn't matter. God will forgive you for anything. Jesus will forgive you for anything. His blood covers everything. There's nothing you could possibly have done that is too bad that Christ will not forgive you. I can promise you that. There's nothing. Nothing. You just have to bow your knee. That's all you got to do is just humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I am a, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Please save me, Jesus. And then confess him as your Lord. Folks, get the book of Romans. Read Romans chapter 8. Some good stuff in there. Um, anyway, with that, I'm going to get over here. But it is, uh, it is my heartfelt prayer. That you will come to repentance today if you have not. And if you are a Christian, we are a born again believer, uh, sin can separate you from God. Now, you're not going to lose your salvation, but he can separate your relationship with God. And so if you're living in sin, and uh, if you're knowingly living in sin, and you're just like, whatever, uh, yeah, you can break fellowship with God. You don't want to do that. I mean, you're not going to lose your salvation. I'm not saying that. No, 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 no. You're not going to lose yourself, but you will lose that wonderful relationship that we have with God. So if you are living in sin, I suggest that you repent of that sin, which means confess it and repent of it and then restore that right relationship with God today. Um, because what would happen if he came and took us home? You know what I mean? Like right now, Christ comes, boom, we go home and you're going to be like, oh man, you know, you're going to feel kind of bad, aren't you? As you're, you know, flying through the atmosphere, I don't know. But uh, no, it's, it's better to have a, a right relationship with Christ. Plus, you know, everything's just, you're more at peace. Because you're not going to have peace if you're not, you know, if you're not in fellowship with God. And so, because he's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you forget about that. You know what I mean? If you're living in sin, you know, you know you're living in sin. Anyway, repent of it today. Anyway, with that, guys, I'm going to get off here. I've got to go to work. 
Um, so as always, uh, get into the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you. And Maranatha, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I really do, I really do appreciate it. And uh, I just pray that this uh, uh, this podcast is an encouragement to you guys. Anyway, we want to be encouraged in the Lord. That's what we do. That's what I want to do. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And may God bless each and every one of you as we await the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs>